Hello, wonderful people. This is Magic in the Mind podcast, where spirituality and psychology intersect. I'm your host, Alice Strange, and I truly hope you learn something from this episode, or at least relate. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of Magic in the Mind podcast. Today is a nice, unusually sunny day for the middle of February, when usually around here in my parts, February is just gross and usually gloomy and nasty and nobody likes it. But today the sun is out, I'm feeling the vibes, and we are going to talk about familiars. It's a nice, lighthearted topic This is going to be a much shorter episode um, just because I have a lot going on with school and work and um, family and just everything going on all at once. So here's a quick little pick-me-up episode about familiars. And I will talk about my familiar. Um, She is not with us any longer, but I'm not addressing that in this episode. Um, I'm just going to kind of, you know, relate that a little bit, and hopefully some of you can relate to that. I would also just off the bat like to say that I am always open to DMs, to emails, to the email in the description. I, I want to hear your stories. I want to hear if you relate. I want to hear if you liked it or if you didn't like it. I want all of that information. I would be honored <laughs> to read and reply to any emails, messages, etc. sent my way. But yeah, we're talking about familiars and it's going to be quick and chill. And uh, then we can get into a few more heavier and thought intensive subjects that I'm planning for the podcast. I hope it turns out great and I hope those are going to be really fun and awesome and good content, but that's not the point. Here we are today doing this. We're already rambling. Um, So yeah, let's talk about familiars. So the quick and simple definition of familiars that you might be familiar with is basically just spirits, usually animals, who help witches do evil. And when I say usually animals, it's because there are places where you can find information or like historical accounts of witches having human familiars. Don't really know a lot about that, to be honest. But this this thought that there are animal spirits who are doing evil for a witch is actually not as old as you would think. I mean, of course, animals are very common in legends of witches. They're everywhere. Usually people back then would say um, they had been given to the witch by the devil himself or inherited from another witch. And because of this, there were many, many animals, many pets who were killed just like witches. But to get a little more historical, a little bit more weight 
to the idea of familiars. You know, the concept of, of a magic spirit creature really just kind of resonates throughout history. Creation myths, tribal traditions, and religions all over the globe. You can find references to the idea of a magical spiritual animal. Only more recently, back in the persecution, the witch trials, magical animals and familiars were deemed evil and dangerous companions. But historically, before that, familiars or spirits were often seen as a type of guardian angel rather than an evil, bad-doing, demon spirit thing. While many people around the globe were being accused of witchcraft, the accused were assumed to have a familiar. Um, and there were many, many forms uh, these familiars could take. Um, and they're usually just things that kind of were in the environment anyways. It kind of changes from area to area. But often, of course, number one is cats. Cats are very much associated with witches and being a familiar, all those things. Um, but there were even like dogs, uh, rabbits, and owls. Owls, you know, still kind of have a weird magical feeling about them when we talk about them. Um, but also mice and rats and ferrets, even birds, newts, and toads. <laughs> These are all the more common ones. And then that's just scraping the surface. But this, these, you know, familiars were considered to be servants to the witches. And they were thought to be low-ranking demons or um, even a nature spirit such as one of the fair folk. And if you don't know what that is, please Google it because I'm not going to say the term, the actual what day-to-day -day people call it because I have many of those nature spirits around and in my house and they really don't like that word. So if you can even understand what I'm saying, do a little Googling and just keep yourself safe because they, you never know. They could get real mad, especially if they trust you. And this is a tangent. Anyways, so I mean, we have some weird legends about familiars. Early on, there were, you know, it was said familiars fed on the blood of the women they served, and the witch, in turn, used the animal for spellcasting. Spellcasting being generally the, the most popular, but, I mean, they were accused of so many things. Like, sometimes it was said that familiars could shapeshift into just about anything, so they could spy on unsuspecting people. And many completely innocent pet lovers were persecuted for this. Um, the blame was placed on them for any kind of bad luck, such as milk spoiling or crops withering or, or an illness that has entered the community. It was just because this person loved animals that they were, like, getting persecuted. Pretty sad story. Because of the fear of familiars, as I said, many animals were just massacred, especially cats, which, which is kind of funny. No, I mean, that concept is not funny at all, 
but, but you know, uh, the universe came back and really bit the people of Europe in the ass because soon, I don't know the exact time frame, but the decreasing population of cats led to the Black Death just spreading and spreading and going and going because, you know, this is something a lot of experts point out, the huge reduction in the cat population allowed rats and other rodents to populate the area and just run wild, unchecked, uncaught by cats, um, which did increase the number of plague-carrying fleas, because if you didn't know that, the Black Death was carried through fleas, and fleas were very common back then. I mean, if you're living basically in a hut, yeah, it's kind of, you know, with animals around and in the wilderness, it's kind of hard to keep fleas out. But ultimately, the massacre of innocent cats made the spread of Black Death far worse than it would have been. Maybe it, it could have actually not have been as bad. We will never know, but that's just a little historical perspective for you. So then, since we've covered that familiars can take lots of forms and familiars were seen as very evil and, and wrong, straight from the devil himself, and we also know that even before that, the idea of a spiritual magical animal, you know, being a guardian of some sort or, or whatever, I guess that leaves us with the question of today in the modern world, what is a familiar? Really, what is it to us today? And to kind of break it down for you, they are just kind of generally a guardian of sorts that protects and helps a witch. And not every familiar protects a witch. And not every familiar helps a witch. They have all sorts of purposes and reasons that they're here. It makes sense that as wide a topic as familiars are, as broad as familiars are, it really has a lot. They really could do a lot of things. Well, I adopted my familiar, oh goodness, in 2011 uh, or 12. And she was just the most beautiful, all-white, perfectly white, green-eyed kitten baby. Like, the tiniest baby. <laughs> kind of at the point where their heads are a little too big for them to even walk right. They were kind of in an emergency trying to get these kittens to homes. I was able to adopt her and, and bring her into the home. For a while, she lived with a friend and their cat which I thought would be healthy for her to be exposed to other cats and, and things like that. It was a weird situation, but my parents absolutely forbade me from getting any cats or dogs or no animals with fur, basically. And of course, being a rebellious 18-year-old, I did it anyway and just didn't tell them. And then... Not too long after I got her, I moved into my first apartment in a big city. I was from an 
itty bitty t- tiny small town and this was a big city and I don't know if I would have made it without her she and I developed such a close bond it was you know we had bonded very much uh while she lived at my friend's house considering I spent most days at, at my friend's house but you know she she was very special to me and I kind of hadn't even gotten into witchcraft by the time I had her and was, you know, bonding with her in our own little apartment miles away from home. And and I've kind of gotten off track on our little uh, list here to cover in the podcast. So let's just say pre-magic, pre-witchcraft, pre-spirituality Alice got a cat (laughs) and that was really just simply it she was my companion she was the one constant in my life and she was just such a loving animal I do want to point out though my story you know is pretty common I would think um but she was a cat (laughs) and and I want to really reiterate that really any animal can be a familiar just some it's a little more easily recognizable and again the fair folk are also up for grabs I mean if it happens it happens I would say that's probably a pretty rare thing Um, or if it happens you probably don't even know but you know it it could happen and I want to differentiate there is a very like familiars are like over here on one side and then there are also spirit animals and I'd love to break that down a little bit and explain that a familiar is a guardian or helper or protector of a witch a physical being that a witch has and a spirit animal really is just like an animal archetype that a person embodies or you know even people who don't realize the power of what a spirit animal is it gives you kind of an archetype you know we think I think almost everybody when we talk about spirit animals thinks about the wolf I just I I, everyone I ever meet everyone I've ever talked to they're like yeah wolves are like cool but they're not everybody's spirit animal you you know it's kind of like you have to learn about them you have to bond with them in your own way not in a physical way just kind of the archetype you know like the owl archetype would be wise peaceful nighttime protector or nighttime inhabitant it's it's kind of just the animal is not actually there is what i'm trying to say it's an archetype it's something that you know is a real thing and you can work with whatever your spirit animal is and build a relationship there and they can protect you. They can help you. You know, you can call on them when you need to embody that energy. Like there are beautiful things you can do with spirit animals, but basically they do not exist physically in this realm. Familiars are a physical being that are here every day. Another thing about familiars, they tend to become emotional support animals, even if that was not the intention of 
adopting the animal. But yes, they, they do exist. They're here with us. And the thing I get most questioned about or I see the most questions about is like, how do I know if my pet is my familiar? And I don't think this is really talked about enough. There's plenty of places online that have their own theories or sets of criteria for a familiar. But I've gone through a lot and I've scanned and read and and researched all the different places I could find good actual quality information and I have now put them into a nice simple little list to know if your pet is a familiar. And of course, there is no absolute. There is no way anyone can perfectly pin down exactly yes, this is what a familiar is. You know, it really is just kind of like a you know when you know. If it happens, you will know. So, I'm going to assume hypothetically my listeners have an animal that they want to know is this animal my familiar? So, from there, I would say familiars really connect to you in a deeper way. Um, this is not always present immediately. It's kind of like you do have to grow a bond with them. You do have to see each other and be with each other and and acknowledge all that they've done for you, the things that you feel from them. Um, and, and, you know, when I adopted my familiar, I had no, no idea. No idea. I didn't know. I really didn't even know what a familiar was. I was not in the spiritual community even a tiny bit. So I was like, cool, this cat's beautiful. I'm getting her. They're thought to have a soul connection. You know, when you have an animal who just kind of completes you in some way, which is, of course, not to say that you're not a whole person all on your own, but there is definitely a part of them in you. There is more of a connection than just a regular animal. Maybe you'll, you think, how could I be who I am if I don't have this animal? Another thing you may notice is that this pet will be, will seek you out. They will have a stronger connection to you than other pets. And that's another thing. If you have multiple pets, how do you know? Like you, you don't know if any of them are your spirit. You don't know if any of them are your familiar. And so again, I'm here to help. If you have multiple pets and there's one in particular that really just prefers you, that would be a, a good sign. That might be a familiar. I, I think that's where I would start on the investigation. And I, I use the words soul connection, but sometimes this can feel more like an emotional connection. Maybe your, like I said, um, emotional support animal. The, the whole point of an emotional support animal is the emotional connection. And that is a big part of what tells you if your animal is your familiar. That would manifest in ways such as you're feeling crappy, you woke up on the wrong side of bed, things kind of suck that day. And as you're like just feeling crappy, 
this animal comes to you. Maybe they lay in your lap. Maybe they curl up beside you. Maybe they just keep poking you with their nose and being like, hey, yo, you okay? Because they know something's wrong. And I believe that pretty much every animal uh, in some capacity can feel a vibe or the emotions of those they live with every day. But yes, the emotional connection is another big sign. Uh, getting into a little bit of woo-woo. <laughs> some spirit animals, I won't say all, but some of them will connect to you energetically. I'm a very energetic-oriented person. I, I've worked with energy, energy work, you call it. I've done energy work, goodness, for more than half my life. I mean, I was literally in junior high, and that's a whole story in and of itself that maybe one day we'll go into. But it's seen sometimes that when you're down, your familiar will cheer you up. That's pretty common for familiars and emotional support animals. But the difference is an emotional support animal will comfort you. Familiars will literally lend you their energy. And sometimes it's more than just when you're not feeling great or having a bad day. Even in magic, you know, magic workings, they will show up and they'll, they'll help with, with the energy. They may lend some of their energy to make your spell better. And if you realize that your magic is just way better when this particular pet is around, that's another big sign they're doing something, they're helping, even if you can't tell, and and they're making a difference because they were meant to do that for you. And then, moving on, there is a belief. I won't say it's it's everybody's belief, but it is my personal belief, and, and I've heard it many times from others, but I believe that a, a familiar will come into your life for a purpose, whether that's protection and comfort, guidance and friendship, you know, helping with spells, helping with meditation, whatever, whatever your specific familiar is doing for you. Once you really open your eyes and start watching, they, they do more than just a regular pet. They'll pick up on your needs, not just your emotions or your vibe. They will realize that you need something in that moment and do their best to help you, like energetically, if that's what it is, or even, you know, encourage you to do whatever it is you need to do. Your needs need to get met. And also don't ever force this on an animal. Don't, don't like just... Oh, I got a new puppy and he is my, he's now my familiar. He's, he's my familiar. I got a puppy. I love him so much. He's so cute. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Wait, they will come to you. They will show you. It's their purpose. It's literally their whole purpose of being on this earth right now in a soul in that animal's body. They were meant for whatever it is they're doing their purpose, but it circles around you. 
another common thing that is pretty universal with most familiars is they will have some sort of interest in your magical workings. And, you know, I can, I can kind of lay that out for you. But keep in mind, I'm speaking from my own perspective. You know, I'm speaking from a white girl grew up in a Midwestern town to live in another Midwestern town. You know, it, it, it's my personal experience. And I don't think everybody will relate. But it does also relate to the kind of animal that you're familiar is, you know, if, if you're familiar is something that generally lives a lot of its time in some sort of cage or container, if that's what's healthy for them, this doesn't really make sense <laughs> that they will be present in your magical workings. And also it depends on, you know, like maybe your, your room or your place where you do your magic isn't a safe place for your dog or your cat or whatever to be. You know, maybe you're not, your altar is not in a pet safe place. Um, I wasn't actually performing magic, even meditating. I didn't have an altar almost the whole time my familiar was alive. I don't think I've mentioned her name. Her name was Rune, R-U-N-E, and I loved it. God damn, did it fit her. Uh, God damn, did it fit her. It just felt right, and no one really ever questioned why the name Rune. It, it just, it just is. It feels right. I don't know. The thing with Rune was we did not move to a place that was safe enough for me to have an altar, until uh, 2018. So there was quite a bit between the 2012 to the 2018 where we were just best buds, me and my familiar. She was my everything. Um, but the, the sad part was my altar was in the downstairs that was not safe for her to be in. She could only be in the upstairs of the home. So I, I never really got to test her or, or see if she was interested in my magic, but she did help me with meditation. And, you know, looking back, there were a lot of things she did that were helping me. And this should apply to a good chunk of people who have or may have familiars. It's not that they're just there for your magical working. It's a very unique relationship. Ways they can help you is they can help ground you. If, if you are too much in your head, whatever they know will help, help ground you. They'll sit with you in your meditation, possibly. Or if you're like, if they're down there with your magical working, you know, you're doing your magic and, and they're involved, they're, they're there. Um, you know, some people will say, oh, as I cast a circle, my familiar walks behind me and checks it. Another one I hear a lot is whenever I pop out my divination tools, my familiar shows up. So that's another possibility. 
or, you know, it might not be that your familiar helps with your magical working, but maybe just while you are working magic, they are heightened in their activity, or maybe they're very aware of what you're doing. There are a lot of different variations of this. Hopefully that made sense. That was a lot of talking. <laughs> so another just real quick down the list, we're going. Sometimes familiars will be drawn to your magical tools or your magical workspace, but it's said they won't be destructive. I say <laughs> sometimes um, when a soul inhabits a body, they really kind of become whatever that body is. And that might be true for familiars. I know that's true for people. <laughs> you know, we may be souls from who knows where. Um, or even if, just to be simple, we're souls from the universe, you know, the collective unconscious. We're, we're just chilling out somewhere. And they put us in these bodies and we are born in this world and we don't really know, <laughs> like, what we're doing. We don't know. Some some people do. I, I like to believe that that's, with some give and take and some allowance for error, that's basically how I believe it works. But, you know, if you're familiar does, you know, familiar stuff, but then one day they knock a crystal off your your altar and it breaks that could be considered destructive but then you also have to think of it a little bit creatively like maybe that crystal was just meant to break maybe my familiar realized that this was not a good thing to have on my altar even if it didn't break and you have to do your own testing your own questioning and figuring out on your own I can't do that for you but I would, the, the sources say they will not be destructive. I think destructive can be interpreted in many ways. But honestly, I have a very rare feather that I keep on my altar. It's very special to me. And it is an, an, a feather from an animal that is very directly, is the animal of a goddess that I work with. And so I had set up a little tiny um, altar on my bookshelf. <laughs> and I was so happy about the feather. I had, I had it in storage and I had just got it back. I was so thrilled to put it up there. And then it's a very special piece to me. And I put it on her altar, gave her, you know, other stuff. And for the first time ever, our dumbass cat figured out he could uh, reach the altar. It had been there a while and he had never cared, never cared. But that day he got my feather <laughs> and he tried his best to destroy it. Thankfully, I caught it early <laughs> and was able to salvage it, but not with no scars. It's got, it's got some damage to be sure. For me, I'm going to say since the feather was so special and like was not like there's nothing wrong with the feather. And I felt it was very, very right. I felt from the universe it was right to put that on her altar. That little shit destroyed it. 
So he is kicked out of the list of possible familiars. <laughs> so moving on, a lot of times familiars can sense other realms or maybe entities in the house. And I know that like every single cat, every single dog will literally just stare off into space at nothing. Sometimes dogs will like growl. Um, my dog does this. If a ladybug lands on the ceiling, uh, she freaks out. So, so you have to realize, you know, sometimes they're just doing cat slash dog slash whatever things. <laughs> sometimes that's normal. But maybe, you know, uh, you're connecting with the deity and your pet seems to realize that there's something going on. Seems to realize that something is there. That, that would be a really amazing sign. That would be really, really cool. I would, I would call that familiar activity. Also, familiars kind of seem to understand unspoken thoughts or feelings or just how you are that day. You know, your head space in general, your heart space in general. And, you know, we can't really prove that. That's very much unquantifiable. But... It's said that they will unspokenly understand that, which is also kind of just another emotional support animal thing. Like I said, there's a lot of overlap. The next thing on my list, I've already said, but I'm gonna say it again. Familiars will choose you over others. And that doesn't mean that they're never going to interact with your partner or with a stranger. Some familiars are very, very attention-seeking. You know, they love strangers. They don't mind, you know, meeting everyone and, and greeting people as they come to your house. But at the end of the day, <laughs> your familiar is probably going to choose to sleep with you or on you, which happens a lot with my familiars. <laughs> Another thing that is less common but if it applies to you, I would say it kind of increases the likelihood. It's, it's believed that the animal sometimes avoided or um, maybe avoided is not the, the correct word, but the animal had plenty of opportunity to be adopted or given away, um, anything like that. And other owners didn't really stick, you know, maybe they did show uh, aversion to some of the prospective owners or maybe the owners didn't like them and brought them back to it like a shelter if that's the case if there are special circumstances around how your familiar came to you maybe it was a stray cat that just like one day decided that your front door is the only thing they care about for the next three days and eventually you're just like whatever and you you adopt them you let them in you, you clean them up you feed them you get them treated take them to the vet that you know that that's a special circumstance i would say and there are so many unique stories involving things like that which is actually wonderful to listen to it's nice and it's like kind of peaceful and makes you feel good on the inside but to put it in perspective Many familiars do not go through that process or are not brought about to you in those circumstances. 
that's the most fantastical, magical way, but sometimes they just happen. Sometimes you just go to the shelter and you're like, yeah, that's the one and you get them. It's, it can be simple too. But ultimately, the best way to tell if your animal is your familiar is you just know. You have, you just know. It might be an intuitive thing where you can, you just know. It may be um, like a channel or a download where suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, like I, I guess that is, that is my familiar. Or you could have straight up spirit in your ear being like, yo, do magic with your pet. <laughs> that is your familiar. Of course, I always make spirit sound like an asshole because my guides are <laughs> playfully, respectfully, but very much assholes. Um, <laughs> as I've said before. Another thing you really need to understand is that because this guardian spirit is in an animal, they will do pet stuff. I mean, you could be some ancient ascended master and come to earth and, and you don't know, you don't remember. That's all your past life stuff, all your previous stuff. But right now, incarnate on this earth, you are just a person and you do person things. And that is the same with familiars. They do pet stuff. They might have an accident on the floor. That doesn't mean they're not your familiar. They may, you know, just spend a lot of time tearing crap up or like running around with the zoomies. That's animal things. That's what to expect when you become an owner. And you should really never expect to, if you're making them out to be some big special grand thing and they're not, there will be disappointment there. And they will pick up on that because they're animals, not because they're familiars. Um, and, and then here coming to the end, um, your familiar can be part of your spiritual team or your spirit guides. Um, the only difference is they are physical. They live in this realm, um, and of course, spirit teams, spirit guides are usually not. <laughs> They're usually from somewhere else or they reside somewhere else. You know, your, your familiar doesn't reside there, but they could still be part of that team. They could still be part of that force that's guiding you to do what's best for your life, your, you know, to reach your highest potential and your highest good. Um... And even, you know, in your dreams or, you know, in meditations, like, uh, you know, like shamanic journey meditations, they may show up there. They may show up in your dreams to be like, hey, look, this is important. And hedge writing uh, is another one. They could just kind of pop up because they're familiar. They're part of your team. And that's, like I said, I was not deep into magic when my familiar was around. The most I ever did that was kind of spiritual was meditating. And at that point, it, she was very old. <laughs> she was not the 
the kitten she once was. But she would often curl up in my lap and I wouldn't fight it. It felt fine. Well, it felt nice, but like it didn't perturb the spirits or the universe or whatever. She was just, she was an old baby. <laughs> and just to add some encouragement, this is not meant to be sad. Really, it's a very encouraging and joyful story. And that's why I'm going to share it with you. My familiar passed away in 2020, I believe, December 2020, I, I, I believe, um, that doesn't really matter. She was very ill for a long time. She had cancer um, and we just took the best care of her, treated her like a fucking princess, gave her everything she wanted. At that point in her life, she literally only ate treats like we, we would fill her bowl with treats, but part of the, the thing with the cancer was she didn't eat very much. So to get her to eat at all, pretty much treats were it. And she spent her last few days just trying to be as close to me as she could while still being comfortable. And when we realized that it was just, you know, it was just time, she passed on. We, we had her, uh, well, we took her to get put down and she she did not wait for the shot she did not wait for the chemicals she actually passed away in my arms no she she chose to wait and surprise us all at the end and honestly that's a very haha you thought but i got you that's kind of her vibe anyway <laughs> so I was sad. Of course, I was very sad. But very soon after, I started unintentionally hedge writing. I think I've mentioned that in a few videos. I unintentionally realized much later that I had what I had thought was meditation and like communing with my goddess and spirit team. That was that was actually hedge writing. It was not actually just being in a meditative state. Anyway, she came. She came there. And now she lives there. She is no longer physical, but every time I put myself into my hedge writing experience and I show up in the very specific spot that I always do, I am sitting and she is always right there to my left, just chilling, just purring away, being her normal self. I've, guys, I've literally done like a half hour of hedge writing just so I can sit and hold my cat. And I want people to know that like the fact that they are a part of your or can be a part of your spiritual team, or if they're just a soul that's meant to guide you further, maybe when they pass away, they'll become a part of your spiritual team. You can, it's as simple as like having a real simple loving moment with your pet. You're, well, you're familiar at this point. Um, and telling them, when you pass away, I never want you to leave me. When you pass away, I want you to find me in the spirit realm. Or I want you to find my spirit guides and be with me. 
And there is no guarantee that will happen because ultimately familiars are just something that come about and are taken away by spirit, by the universe. We don't have much control over it. You can encourage as much as you want. Don't get fixated on it. Don't break your own heart when they don't show up. I mean, you can also find a medium who I, I know there are specifically pet mediums out there if that's what you're looking for. Um, you can also talk about like, hey, I have um, an ancestor that loved animals. How about when you pass away, you go to them and you can talk to your that person, your, your ancestor, if you're on a communication level where you can actually do those kind of communications. They're, they're, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. And even if my familiar had not shown up in my head writing, I was still at peace and I knew it was because she was at peace. She chose to surprise me and stick around uh, for the rest of my lifetime, for the foreseeable future at least, to accompany me, to comfort me and to just kind of lend her energy like she always did. And that is, that is a quite spectacular result. Many people do not see or hear or get messages from their familiar after they pass. But many times after one familiar passes, another one will find their way into your life. And, you know, maybe just wait for that, that magical, oh, I didn't really realize I had to get a cat or a dog or whatever, you know, oh, uh, this bird needs a new home. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess I'll take them. I don't know anything about birds, but like I'll learn. And then the bird turns out to be a familiar. I mean, there are just so many possibilities and very often, especially if your familiar was taken from you early in their life or, you know, before they were spiritually meant to, a new familiar will present themselves, uh, occasionally. And maybe, maybe that's you transitioning into a different part of your life. You know, maybe that familiar was only for one section of your life and you have other, another familiar waiting to come or even a whole line of familiars. If you're the kind of person I am with animals, they could just be waiting, waiting for the right time. And so, of course, losing a pet is sad. And, and I don't want to talk about grief here. I don't want anyone to get uncomfortable or even cry or like none of that. Just know that familiars are a gift. They are very precious. Love them with your whole heart and keep them close while you have them. Alright everybody, here we are, another episode down, this one about familiars. I hope that this episode maybe just brought a spark of joy to your life, just a little bit of happiness, some feel-good moments. I know we got some sad stuff in there, but overall, I hope that you feel uplifted and a little bit better after relaxing and 
and listening. Um, I'm really happy that each and every one of you is here. Um, you know, your my podcast is growing and it's a wonderful thing. I'm so happy to see it's reaching so many people. Um, so yes, thank you everybody for being here. I also will have questions that you can respond to or polls um, if you're on Spotify. I don't know if it works on other uh, host sites, but at least on Spotify, I will have maybe a poll or maybe um, a question. How, how did you, what did you think of this episode? Something like that. Please answer those if you feel called um, because it does go directly to me and, you know, I can, I can respond back. I can feature you in a, an episode so I can respond back. Um, obviously you don't have to do that. You don't have to agree to that if you don't want to. Anyways, (laughs) um, interact with the podcast. If you like it, please like it. You know, maybe subscribe and, and get the notifications when I put out new episodes. That would be so, so helpful to me. But in general, I just want to say, be well, be kind, and may your curiosities for this world never fade.